Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 695. Begin with the end in mind. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, E.C. Mueller. Hey, E.C., are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Ready to go. Let's rock and roll. All right. E.C. Mueller is the manager at the Portland International Raceway. The track hosted its first race way back in 1961, and by 1965, it was hosting regular drag races, motorcycle races, and road course racing. Over the years, PIR has hosted Can-Am races and numerous other venues, including historic racing, club events, and drag racing. The 1.967-mile 12-turn course is challenging and fun and includes a long straightaway when the chicane is blocked. Before managing the track, EZ spent 10 years at Nissan Motor Company in Los Angeles, California, and after college, he worked with a professional sports car road racing team. So, EC, I have told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment here, just a little bit more, about your career, the track, and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Absolutely. Thanks very much. I uh, really appreciate you having me on today. Great to have you here. Getting the feedback yeah. Mark, from your listeners and seeing what they have to say about this. This will be fun. Awesome. Yeah, I've uh, been at the track for two years. Before that, I was actually at Intel Corporation for 17 years, and then before that at Nissan, and then before that in the race team. And uh, it's been an interesting journey. I think we'll find as we go through our discussion today, there's been uh, lots of very, very uh, different, very eclectic set of backgrounds that I've been through in my career. Cool. Well, we're going to learn a lot more about you. We're going to learn a lot more about Pacific Raceway, and I'll let our listeners know. I've raced down there. I've driven on the track. It is a wonderful track. I really like it. It's really fun. I'm excited to talk to you. And as we continue on your journey, your roadway through life, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that has a great meaning to you. And it's a really nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So, EC, take the wheel. Thanks, Mark. I, I don't know if there's any one. I, I, it's really hard when you've been around as long as I have to have everything <laughs> fall onto one saying, one favorite story or whatever. But sure. I'd have to say the thing that has struck me the most as a quote or as a philosophy is kind of simple. It's just begin with the end in mind. And a lot of my background I've done is, um, you know, with web design and design type approaches. And I've just found over and over again, no matter what it is you're trying to accomplish, however small or large the project or whatever you have going on, if you can visualize and understand what success looks like first and start there and then work your way back, you seem to be much more successful. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's that old uh, create a plan and work your plan concept. Well, tell me how you have incorporated that concept into what you do at the track. Well, it, it's actually, it's a building block story. You know, it goes from all these different stops I've made along the way. Of you, you, you learn a little something, you, you remember it, you stack it on top. You know, I went through a big career change, spending all my early years in automotive and then deciding to become a technologist in 1997, leaving Nissan Motor Corporation in Southern California mm -hmm. and coming to Intel Corporation. Obviously, a totally different industry, very different culture. Everything was different. Yeah. So. It's a matter of just learning along the way different techniques, different ways to manage yourself, manage people, manage projects, manage programs, 
been around the taking a lot of things I learned in the car business, but then incorporating what I've also learned at Intel, and then now starting to apply those things in a in a in what I would call my emerged career. <laughs> yeah, you know, here in my my twilight years of trying to bring it all together to be as successful as possible at a place as uh, as cool as Portland International Raceway. Yeah, it's a very interesting story, and I hope as I ask you some of these other questions, some of these parts of this these transitions will come out because those can be challenging, they can be exciting, they can be fun, it can be everything combined, kind of like racing on a racetrack sometimes. So we'll have some fun with that, but let's go back in time first, and I'm going to have you share a story that instigated your passion for cars. You, you have played with cars for a long time, even though you worked in technology for a while, but tell us that pivotal moment as you remember it, when you really realized you were a car guy? I was five. Okay. <laughs> so, so I grew up in the era when your dad could put you on their lap and let you steer their car as yeah. they go down on the streets. Yep. And that's what I remember first. I can remember doing that with my dad, and I can remember pointing to cars and naming what brand they were and saying Chevy and Ford <laughs> and, and all those things as I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. And then there were seminal moments kind of thing, things that I experienced along the way that brought it to fruition to where the racing side, the car side, going to the California 500 back at the old Ontario Motor Speedway when I was in high school, being very into Indy cars, very into oval racing. And then a year later, going to the Los Angeles Times Grand Prix Can-Am at Riverside and becoming a road race nut from then on. Yeah. And then going off to college and, and going to the IMSA race at Laguna Seca and seeing those Sports cars, you know, was just absolutely really lit me on fire. And then I became a member of the Cal Club flag team and started working corners and became a corner worker to try to learn the sport inside and out. And then a few years later, there I was working for a race team. Oh, my gosh. Back in the golden era days, for sure, at some of those tracks you just mentioned. Now, this race team that you worked on, what was the team and and what were you doing there? Well, I went to work there right out of school uh, in March of 1979, which is aging myself a lot, but that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. Uh, the name of the team was called Electromotive. It was the West Coast Nissan USA-supported sports car racing team that uh, at the time was competing in the IMSA Camel GTU Series. It was run by John Knapp, who was the electronics guru at BRE back in the days when John Morton drove the 510s and the Z cars. Ah. Pete Brock at Interport, and Interport was involved in, of course, the, all the BRE team. Yeah. And John was a co-owner of the company. He actually started the company. And then Don Devendorf, who was a multiple-time SEC national champion in both F-Production Spitfire, Datsun 1200s, Datsun B210s, had a contract with Nissan USA as a factory-supported driver, and he could no longer really – you know, work on the cars and prepare the cars himself. So he and John got together and Don became part of Electromotive and the contract got moved as a subcontract to have Electromotive prepare the cars and Don drove them. And I went there, Don had started running GTU halfway through 78 and I went there right at the beginning of 1979, which was incredible because we won nine out of 13 races in the GTU championship. Wow. Wow. Well, you were hanging with some pretty cool guys. That's for sure. Great story. So what I want to do now, Issei, is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl under the hood, get our hands a little dirty, and ask you to share a huge challenge or even a big failure that you faced along the way. Somewhere in your career, take us to that painful time, kind of walk us through it. But then, of course, tell us what you learned from it so that you could overcome that situation and move forward. Well, I think if, if your listeners are into cars and into racing in particular, there's a something that happened relatively early in my 10 years working for the race team. It was that same year when I started there in 1979. 
and we had prepared and we were winning races with this 280ZX, which, you know, the ZX had replaced the Z and we'd won a bunch. And our biggest competitor was the Mazda RX-7. Of course, it was a brand new car. I mean, Mazda had just introduced the RX-7 yeah. and we were winning. So Mazda USA decided we're going to bring over a driver from Japan, a bunch of tires, and we're going to knock off this Don Devendorf guy in the 280ZX. And we were at Sears Point in the summer of 79 at press day, actually. And Don went out after he was done giving rides, and he was chasing down Mr. Katayama, who's driving the, the uh, RX-7 in front of him. And he went into the pits, and he didn't realize Don was right behind him, and he stood on the brakes, and Don had to swerve to miss him. And he lost it and crashed in turn 10, and we thought we wrote the car off. Oh, my gosh. Oh. But we threw it in the trailer. Uh, we, in those days, we had a dually pickup truck and a fifth-wheel trailer. We dragged the car back, me and the cab with the mechanic guys, dragged it back. All the way down to El Segundo, California, where our shop was, we got it fixed enough that we were back at the track at 9.30 Saturday morning with 15 minutes to spare to qualify. Oh, my gosh. Don qualified fourth. Uh, Sam Posey was driving Bob Sharp's car. Kaniyama was there. The, one of the RX-7s, Walt Boren, was there on the racing beat car. Bob Bergstrom and another RX-7. And the race, 45-minute GTU race, and Don worked his way up to second. And on the la- next to last lap, he and Katayama were door handle to door handle all the way around Sears Point, which is now Sonoma Raceway. Yeah. And if you've ever been there, you know how tight and twisty that oh, is. Oh, my. I, yeah, I've raced there before. I Just imagining being door handle to door handle on that track. Holy cow. And Don got him in the hair, in the turn 11 hairpin on the next to last lap, and we ended up winning the race. And that so that was a tremendous lesson in going from, you know, the, as ABC Sports used to say, you know, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. We kind of did it backwards. We had the agony of defeat thinking it was over. We were yeah. going to have to take home a total race car, and we were able to, thanks to a lot of help from our suppliers and Irvine yeah. Frame Shop down in Harbor City, California, yanked and pulled and put everything back together with a new motor and new wow. transmission and new suspension bits and got it back up there and ended up winning the race. What's the takeaway? I, I, I didn't know what the takeaway is, of course, because racing. Don't give up. <laughs> don't give up. Yeah, of course. I hear that from every every racer I've had on the show. I've had dozens of racers, and that's what they all say. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. So, yeah. wow, what a story. Whew, I was worn out after that one. Yeah, the MC yearbook <laughs> that year in 79, if everybody has one out there, there's a picture of Don and Katayama, and, and it looks like where Don's hit the curb in turn three and the car's up on two wheels and it looks like Katayama's sitting right underneath him. It's an incredible picture. Oh, wow. Gosh, I've got to go and uh, and find that. That sounds awesome. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share a career aha moment. Sounds like you've had a few of them with the transitions you've made. It's one of those times when the headlights come on and kind of illuminate a new direction for you, a new path, a new roadway to go down. And tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success. Well, it really happened... As I left Intel and I was retired for a whole two and a half months, and I started to work at the job I have now, managing Portland International Raceway, where I was able to start to apply a lot of the work I'd done in user experience around digital and strategic branding mm-hmm. and starting to realize how it applied to a service organization like we are mm. and trying to have the staff at the racetrack and my suppliers and our user groups understand that our purpose is really to give them an outstanding experience. So if you're the Oregon Motorcycle Road Racing Association and you've booked the track to have a race weekend, you know, my job is to make sure that we do everything we can so that your racers leave absolutely delighted with their weekend and feel that they got everything they could out of the racetrack and the track personnel did everything they could to provide them with the, the canvas that they wanted to have to, to paint their races on. And, and 
now with two years into it, I've just really been able to confirm that that is the case. You really have to commit. And this is why the whole thing will start with the end in mind of being able to take the success, what it should look like, and then rally the troops around to get you to that level where you really are providing an outstanding experience for your the group that you're serving. You know, you're mimicking the words of a guest I had on a few weeks ago, Joey Todd, who's the director at the Texas World Speedway. And he also puts on the World Racing League where they race the chump sure. cars and, you know, crap cars and the hours of Le Mans and all that kind of thing. And he said the exact same thing. And it really is true when you think about a racetrack, you're there to serve your visitors and your racers, everyone that comes in and make sure they all have a wonderful time. And uh, that, that's a key element in any business is really identifying who your customers are and how you're going to provide a service for them. So I think it's cool the way you transition that IT career for so many years into racetrack management. Uh, Very, very cool. Well, I would assume you've had many proud moments in your career, but is there one in particular you could share with us? There's not. (laughs) No? Oh, come on. Come on. You know, my career has been so varied. There's kind of four. Uh Uh, There was our first GTP win with Electromotive in 1987 at the Miami Grand Prix. Okay. When we won our very first prototype race, which, of course, got parlayed years later, I went off to work at Nissan Corporate after that. But, you know, and and Nissan Corporate, Nissan USA ended up purchasing Electromotive and it became Nissan Performance Technology. And Jeff Brabham and Chip Robinson and Derek Daly and Bob Earl and many drivers drove those cars. Mm -hmm. And they went on to win three consecutive driver championships, you know, after that, which is but that first one in Miami was pretty amazing. And then there were other things. I, I was fortunate when I worked in PR at corporate. I was We did the very first U.S.-led worldwide launch of a vehicle for Nissan Japan, and we launched the 300ZX in the, at, at Chicago at Fairmont Hotel, and I got to manage that event. That was really special. And then I launched the i30 in the mid-'90s. When the i30 was launched, I worked for Infinity Division as a product line manager, and I was able to do that launch, which was highly successful. And then at Intel, we one of the things I did there, which was really cool, was we totally revamped our entire intranet for our employees. It was back in the era when getting employees online with your own private intranet was relatively novel, and we totally revamped it and launched it. You know, it's 140,000 employees and 200-plus campuses, and we got it all launched, and I managed that. So that was pretty cool. Holy cow. Oh, I can't even imagine what that was like. Oh, my goodness. Well, let's have a little bit of fun here. I'd love for you to share your first really special car and maybe a memory you have of that vehicle. Probably the one that comes first is the very first time I ever bought a new car mm-hmm. was a 1981 200 SX. I bought it and I only owned it for four months because I ended up making some mistakes on my internal revenue form trying to do my own taxes. Uh-oh. And I had to sell it to pay my taxes. Oh, no. So, so it went, it was pretty funny. It was like, oh my gosh, I finally have a brand new car. And then I had to sell it like four months later. Oh my goodness. Oh, well, what's the lesson there? Hire a CPA. Yeah. And I have ever since. And then the other one, of course, is the car that I bought in my dream car I've wanted my whole life, which I got back in 2011, which is my, my 2005 911, my Porsche 911. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. I love 911s. My listeners all know that. Well, how about sellers or more? So other than what, than the one you lost to the IRS there, but. Is there one car you've owned that you really wish you had back? I had a 2004 RX-8. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I, I didn't have it very long. I got very frustrated with it because it had some software issues and it, it had problems starting frequently if the weather got below 40 degrees. Oh. But I love the way that car handled, the way it stopped, the way it shifted, and the way the steering was. And, and it, it was like driving a go-kart. And there was a lot of fun I had in that car, and I kind of miss it. There was a gentleman I worked with years ago, and he had one and just loved that thing. And uh, I never got to drive it. My mom had the first-generation RX-7, 
way, way back when it came out. And I thought, man, my mom's pretty cool to have a car like that. But um, the RX-8s are very nice. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. I would love for you to share what has you really excited and fired up with this new year here uh, going into 2017 at the raceway. I know currently as we're recording this, uh, it's covered in snow. You guys have just gotten walloped down there. What has you really excited about the new year here? Well, you're right, Mark. If you know, looking ahead, when our 12 inches of snow goes away, which yeah. hopefully will happen soon, <laughs> yeah, I think the thing that gets us most excited is we're doing a lot of exploration about how we can get pro racing back to Portland International Raceway. IndyCars left in 2007. The American Le Mans series, you know, which was, predates the WeatherTech series, left in 2009. So we really think that having a metro-based racetrack, we know the teams loved it. Come, you know, coming here, we know the pro drivers loved it. And Portland's grown up so much as a town, since, you know, in the last 10 years since any of those guys were here. Tremendous food city, tremendous amount of wonderful hotels. And we just think it, it would make a lot of sense to try to get pro racing back here if we could figure out a way to do it. So we're spending a lot of time with economic impact studies and what it's going to take to get the track certified again so that we can put together a package and try to get a series to come visit. Ah, that would be exciting. Now, tell the listeners some of the other things that they could expect to see this year that you have planned for Portland International Raceway. Well, the biggest thing about our place is variety. So we do everything from bicycle racing, on and off road, runs, obstacle events, drag racing, we just celebrated our 50th, 5-0, 50th year of motocross. We're the wow. longest running weekly motocross in the United States. Cool. Plus all the road racing we do. So we have the Oregon Trail Rally, which is an opportunity for people to see rally cars up close. Travis Pastrana, David Higgins, the Team Subaru, they'll be back. So it gives a chance instead of having to drive out in the middle of nowhere to see a rally car run. We do a couple, we do uh, four stages that we actually run out at the racetrack all over our property. So it's... You know, it's a huge variety. We have we have stuff for everybody. Theme runs, 5Ks, we do a lot of stuff. Wow. 500,000, you know, about 550 event days a year. We often have three events going on at once, and we service about 350, 300 to 350,000 people a year. 550 events in a 365-day year. Sounds like eight days a week from the Beatles. How do you do all that? My goodness. Well, in the summer, we often have three events a day. Oh, my goodness. Wow. You are one busy guy. Well, I'll tell our listeners, if you ever have a chance to be in Portland or in that area, you can do a lapping day with a club of its. It's a really fun track. I really enjoy that track. Here's a very introspective question. If EC was a car, what kind of car would he be and why? Well, I'm a Porsche wonker, so it's going to be a Porsche. And the reason is, is because I love cars that can transition. I, I personally believe driving is about steering accelerated and accelerating and braking so i'm going to be a car that is can do all those things it's going to be agile it's going to be versatile and it's going to be a whole lot of fun to drive <laughs> i like it very much very cool well ec up next is the last lap but before we put the pedal to the metal let's say thank you to today's cars yeah sponsors are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe i can help this is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? 
Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Driving never meant more as the all-new driving adventure awaits you with a not-for-profit drive toward a cure. Combines two spirited drives for a weekend of cars and camaraderie in Paso Robles, California. All to support finding a cure for Parkinson's disease. In a showcase of ribbon roads in California of chrome and elegance, coming up this April 28th. Enjoy some of the nicest cars, people, drives, wine tasting, and luxury receptions while driving towards a cure for Parkinson's. To register or donate, click on drivetowardacure.com or check out Cars Yeah guest Deb Pollock's show notes page where there's links to Drive Toward a Cure. Donate today or better yet, go for the drive. Okay, EC, we are back and we're entering the last lap. You're a guy who's been on the track. You know what that means. The white flag's out. Time for me to fire off some a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Drive it before you talk about it. <laughs> I like that. So you're the first one to say that. Very nice. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? Communicate, communicate, communicate. Oh, gosh, yes. Oh, man, so important. Do you have a resource that you think our listeners should take a look at? Well, I'm going to you know, bang our own drum. You got to go to PortlandRaceway.com and see what we're up to. Absolutely. Now, if you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive field, living or deceased, who would that be? You know, it's funny. You'd think I'd pick a really super famous person. I don't know if your listeners remember, it was a long time ago, but there was a driver that drove with Mario, it was Mario Andretti's teammate at Team Lotus in Formula One. His name was Gunnar Nielsen. Okay. And when I flagged at Long Beach all those years, I got to know Gunnar really well. And unfortunately, he passed away from cancer not long after he drove with, with Mario. Oh. And I was always incredibly impacted by his honesty and how humble he was and how open he was. And I would really love to sit down and find out what that guy was all about. Because for such a short amount of time I got to talk to him, I was always so impacted with his personality. Oh, man. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Wow. Well, that's cool. Very, very cool. Now, how about a book? Is there a book that you think the Cars Yeah listeners would enjoy reading? I do, but it's not a car book. That's okay. That's okay. It can be any book at all. <laughs> I have been very impacted by Tom Brokaw's book, The Greatest Generation. My father served in World War II, and I could never really get my head around the whole thing with World War II. And that book was absolutely spectacular because it's not about soldiers. It's about the people at home and the sacrifice they made. Yeah, I read that book some time ago. It was a fantastic book. So uh, great recommendation. Well, listeners, you can find all these great resources that EC's been so kind to share on his very own show notes page at carsyeah.com slash E.C. Mueller. M-U-E-L-L-E-R is how he spells his last name. And there's a Another great place on the Cars Yeah website called Guest Recommended Books with this book by Tom Brokaw and Guest Recommended Books from the past 690 plus guests here have recommended. It's a great resource. You can go there. One easy click to buy. I make it real simple for you. It's an awesome resource if you love to read. All right. We're up to the checkered flag here, EC. And this last question can be a bit of a doozy. 
If you could have only one very cool collector car in your garage, but money's no object, I'll buy you anything in the world, what would that be and why? Well, I think there's a theme here, so you know it's going to be a Porsche. <laughs> okay. And it's going to be a 959. I just really think that car was a seminal moment. It was a milestone in automotive history because it moved us from an era of mechanical innovation to technical innovation. You know, it was a forerunner for all-wheel drive systems. It was a forerunner to be looking at electronics. There was a whole lot of stuff about that car that was really special. And, you know, as old as it is, I mean, people that have them still rave about them. And they're the some of the favorite cars, they, if you wealthy enough to own one, to drive because they're just so ahead of their time. Yeah, awesome cars. And uh, I had a guest in the show some time ago that has one, and he's been doing a lot of work on it. He said there's an enormous amount of circuitry, circuit boards in that car. Very, very complicated and uh, challenging, if you will, to make sure everything works. Uh, You picked a nice one there. What color would you like? Oh, it would be red. Red, Garge red, the wonderful Porsche color. I don't like garge red. I really like the more candy apple reds. Ah, well, that would be interesting. I don't know if I've ever seen a 959 with metallic red paint on it, but... Porsche will paint anything or, you know, all it takes is money, right? Well, that's true. I have an 87 930 Turbo that's a paint to sample in metallic orange, which was a non-factory color, so... Very nice. They will paint it almost any color. I've had some friends, though, try to get certain colors, and there are some colors these days they will not paint, which is kind of interesting. Maybe if you're a big enough customer, but I've got some strings to pull, so I'll see what I can do for you. <laughs> I think i got to find one and have it painted for you, though, since uh, those were built so long ago. Well, EC, you've taken me on an awesome ride around the Portland International Raceway. I knew you would, and I've really enjoyed your stories, and I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the Cars Yow listeners. Would you offer us one parting piece of wisdom and guidance before you rip off down the racetrack in that Porsche 959? I'll try, Mark. All right. I would just say to anybody listening is that passion really matters and that your dreams are where the motivation comes from and stay after it and just keep going and follow your gut. Absolutely. As the racer says, never, ever give up. Exactly. What's the best way for our listeners, again, to learn more about you and the racetrack? Go to PortlandRaceway.com, I think our website, or you can certainly, anybody can send me an email. I love to hear from people. It's just e.c.mueller at PortlandOregon.gov. There you go. Well, again, listeners, you can find everything on EC's show notes page at CarsYad.com. Just type E period C period. He's the only one with that name here. And that page will pop up and you'll find links to him. I would encourage you to check out the raceway if you're in Portland or anywhere up here in the Pacific Northwest, it is well worth your time to go down to one of the many wonderful events they have. And if you get lucky enough to drive on the track, you're going to have a big smile on your face. I guarantee it. EC, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with the Cars Yeah listeners and me. Until we talk again, I'll see you at the racetrack. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.